I was going to say good morning, Waters Church, but I'm going to say hello, family. It's lovely to see you wonderful, crazy, exciting, interesting people again. I think it's been like three years, um, and I love you so much. You have such a great sense of humor because before service, a really odd thing happened, actually. About 10 different people walked up to me and all said the same thing. And everyone's like, I wish Pastor Tim was as good looking as you. <laughs> so when he preached, we had something nice to look at. And I was like, oh, man, what a heavy burden to carry. <laughs> no, I'm just half kidding. Anyway, it's really nice to, it's an it's a absolute joy to be here. I was just saying to Shane before service, as a preacher, it's um, phenomenal when the message that God gives you specifically for a church for that weekend happens to actually bless you more than it does the church, and God whispers to you, this was as much for you as anybody else. So again this morning, like yesterday afternoon, I am being ministered to by the Holy Spirit as much as you. So I'm going to ask you, if you won't take the hand of the person next to you, please, and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, in the sweet, almighty power of your Holy Spirit, I pray now that, Lord, you will take your word and that you will make it life to our spirits and that you will meet every need in this place and for everyone who's watching online that you may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, if you're a teenage boy and you've wanted to date that certain young lady and I've just gotten you to hold her hand, <laughs> you owe me. You owe me big time. All right, so, <laughs> seriously, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 3. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Verse 5 to 7. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. I wonder this morning if there aren't some of us sitting here today who are either in the situation of the leper or maybe you're more in the situation of the centurion where it's not you who's sick, but there's somebody in your family or somebody that works with you or for you that you care for that is dreadfully tormented. You know, in Bible times, leprosy sufferers had to leave their homes and families, had to leave their own homes and families, and live together with other leprosy sufferers on the outskirts of town, They'd have to scavenge for food because they couldn't just come into the regular supermarkets like everybody else or markets and buy food. 
they were forbidden to have any contact with people who did not have leprosy, and they had to ring a bell that they carried with them to warn people that they were coming, and they had to shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. And I wonder if there aren't some folks sitting here today or who are hearing this message who feel emotionally or spiritually, maybe even psychologically, like a leper. You may not physically have leprosy, but you feel like you're constantly having to ring a bell and warn people that you're coming because either you have removed yourself because you've believed the devil's lies that you are not worthy and you've removed yourself from society or others have said brutal, horrible, ugly things to you which have caused you to remove yourself. I mean, this man is cast out from society. He would have been poor because he couldn't work, so there's no career path. He would have been hungry. It tells us that, you know, he would have been scavenging for food. He would have had a dreadfully low self-esteem. He would have not been able to make any future plans, including finding someone to love and eventually marry and then eventually start a family. In other words, this man or this woman is existing from day to day in utter rejection and agony. And my friends, I'm telling you, just not as a pastor, as a human being who's just around people all the time, there are too many people like that in our world today who are physically don't have leprosy, <clears throat> but in other ways feel the same kind of desperation. And yet for some reason, that day, he's got just enough faith and just enough courage that when he hears that Jesus has come down off the mountain, by the way, it says that there were multitudes following Jesus. So this man who has to ring a bell, shouting unclean, somehow finds his way past the crowds or alongside the crowds enough to get close enough to Jesus. And I imagine, not with great you know, um, confidence, but probably bowing his head, but just loud enough for Jesus to hear, he says, Jesus, Lord, if you, not, hey, uh, you can, I know you can do, you can heal, if, if you're willing. He's so broken down, you can make me clean. And honestly, probably to his utter amazement, shock, and surprise, Jesus stops whatever it was that he was going to be doing and wherever he was on a path to and takes a few minutes and not only speaks to him, touches a leper which was forbidden by law to do because according to the laws of Leviticus, he's dirty, he lives in that, you know, you, you don't touch sick people, you stay away from them. So he breaks all of the traditional laws, goes against what the common thinking is, reaches out and gets intimate and lovingly touches and he says, listen, not only am I willing be cleansed. And it says immediately and instantly the leper is healed. So let's look at the centurion. The centurion couldn't be more opposite to the leper, right? He's somebody's part of the conquering army, a centurion 
century, 100, gets his name from the fact that he would have had at least 100 soldiers underneath him. This probably was not his first campaign because history tells us that the soldiers that Rome sent to the Middle East were soldiers who already had fought in different parts of Europe. They were more experienced. He would have had a wonderful tent. He probably would have taken over one of the homes of the locals. He would have brought his family with him. We know that he had servants who served him. In other words, he's opposite to the leper. He's in the city, not on the outskirts. He has a job. He has a career. He has respect. People know who he is. People fear him, by the way. So he has everything in life, but he cannot solve this problem of his servant, who it says was paralyzed and tormented. My father had three strokes in the course of 18 months, just before he died, and he was paralyzed down one side of his body. And I had the great privilege, just two months before he passed, of ministering to him. And it was like in the movies, you know, pushing him in the wheelchair, out into the sunlight, and talking gently, and feeding him one pea, literally at a time, and the pea would fall and pick it up, and, and feeling the presence of God but I have always just had such a, I don't know if I can use the word hatred, just such a dislike for paralysis. Because to see this man that raised you not able to do anything, not change himself, not feed himself, not bathe himself. So when I read this message, I immediately think of my dad, and I can empathize a bit with the centurion at the helplessness of the servant that he obviously cared for. But you know what interests me here is that it says he was paralyzed and tormented, as if being paralyzed wasn't enough. And we all know that in the world we live in today, it might be you or somebody that you care for, we all know at least one or two people who live a life of a paralysis of some kind, not physically, but it, they just can't seem to move on with their life, or they're tormented. They're in a really bad relationship they can't seem to get out of. They're in a job that they hate, where they're abused and mistreated, and it's a kind of a torment, because it's just the sinful world we live in. And so here's a man who I'm sure could help the soldiers under him, because his own uh, reputation and job counted on that, but he cannot help his own servant. He can command his soldiers as he says to Jesus, you know, I understand authority. In the story, if you read the full story, he says, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I know you can just speak a word and it will be done because I'm used to authority. I do that and whatever I say just gets obeyed. There's no, there's no yes or no, it's just yes, sir. And yet he cannot command this disease. He can't control it. It's out of his control. And maybe you're like the centurion today where in your life, your kid's life, your cousin's life, somebody's, somebody that you care for, there's just, there's no, you can't control it. You feel helpless. But he comes to Jesus, and it says that he comes to him. And listen, this is not a, a, this is not a law and prophets believing Jew like the leper would have been. He was Jewish. He would have been raised in the traditions of Moses according to the law and the prophets. 
This is an outsider who's conquering the country. He's come in. He's truly the very definition of a quote-unquote worldly person or a secular person. He doesn't know the Jewish traditions, and yet he must have heard something about Jesus or enough about this man who can do miracles because he also says, Lord, please, I beg you, I have this servant. He's paralyzed and tormented. Please, can you, can you heal him? And so we have these two men who I think represent all of our society. It's these two extremes, right? Literally living on the outside of town, no hope for the future. On the other end, you've got, no, I've got most of what I need, and I'm in the job that I love, et cetera, et cetera. And both of them can do nothing personally themselves about their own situation. I guarantee you the centurion would have spent lots of money through his medical aid of the day. That was a really terrible joke, but you know what I mean. He would have gone to whatever was available to the Roman doctors, maybe even to some Jewish doctors. The leper had no such choice because literally people couldn't touch him. He was just going to waste away and die amongst other lepers. But at least the centurion would have tried to get some kind of treatment, and nothing's working. So one is poor and dying. The other is very well off and healthy. One is rejected and alone. The other is respected and honored. One is part of God's chosen people, and the other is a foreigner. And friends, all of us, including me, fall somewhere in this mix. We have or we are or one day we will. So they share a common uh, problem, but they also share a common experience with Jesus. On the same day, one soon after the other, he hears both of their cries, stops what he was busy doing, interferes with his own agenda, so to speak, and takes the time to fully meet their need. He solves their problem. The thing that blesses me the most is that he interacts with them directly, face to face. He touches the leper, he speaks to him, he speaks to the centurion, he acts immediately. He doesn't just say, you know what, thanks for letting me know, I'll pray for you, I'll take care of the, yeah, I'll, yeah, you'll be on my prayer list. He deals with it right away. And then he gives each of them a step to take. He says to the leper, now, don't, can you imagine, in today's world, like if some of our superstar televangelists heal the leper, especially on TV, oh, there's money to be made here. Can you imagine? It'll be all over CNN. Whoa, the leper, look, he's totally clean. Come to my church. If you only give 300 bucks today, you also. <laughs> I hate that stuff. Here's Jesus. Don't say a word to anybody. Today it would be like, get my latest book. We're going to make a documentary series. <laughs> I'm being cynical because too many, whatever. So I don't have to go there. <laughs> if you're sitting here, if you came to church cynical thinking, oh, this is another one of those places they just want my money, you're wrong. But I hope that me saying this helps you understand that not everybody plays those games. But Jesus... Don't tell a soul. See to it that you don't tell anybody about this because this is between you and God. But do go to the local priest 
and you go and do what the law and the prophets tell you, that when God does something for you, you go and witness to it. You know, let them see that God has healed you, right? Even Jesus, all the emphasis is on the Father. And then same with the Roman soldier. He's like, man, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. Okay, you know, you can go now. Your servant's going to be healed. And then it tells us that the moment he said that, the servant was healed. So imagine you're the servant, right? You're in bed at home. You're paralyzed. You're tormented. It's another horrible day that you've woken up to. And maybe that was you today. He doesn't know that his boss has asked Jesus to do something about his situation. You're just lying there, and suddenly you feel something happen to your body. You're no longer paralyzed. The torment goes away, and just as you're standing up bewildered like, what the heck just happened, the boss comes running in. I spoke to Jesus. It's true. You are healed. So can you imagine the holy pandemonium? Don't you love that phrase? You can use it. You can even do a T-shirt if you want. Just credit me or get me a coffee. The holy pandemonium that unfolds in that whole community. That's how Jesus works with us. That's the truth. That is who this Jesus is. So <clears throat> let's bring it home. Let's, let's learn from these real stories that uh, are part of mankind's history and God's history among mankind. And let's talk about you and me today. You might be like the leper. Man, if I've learned nothing else in life and I'm in this bucket too, every one of us can get really good really quickly at putting on a really great show outwardly, but yet internally our life is falling apart. And there are times in our lives, even when you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and selfishness and sinfulness can just get a hold of you, and you do or say something really stupid, and you can blame the devil and your parents and politicians, which we should do, by the way, but you can do whatever you like. How on earth have we got such lunatics in our political system? Anyway, wow. Anyway, let's, I'm not going to go there. What the, so it's 2022, people. Have we learned nothing? So we, you can't blame anybody else. Like, you've just got to own up to the fact that, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I was disobedient, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, friends, the truth is this. However long you've been a Christian, right? It's, it's one of the great ironies to me of the Christian faith and the Christian walk. Like the Apostle Paul, towards the end of his life, right, he says these words. He starts off saying, as a young apostle, when he meets the other apostles, oh, I'm the least of the apostles. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, by the way, who did the missionary trips, who put the church on the European map and the, the lower Asian map and the Middle East map. I'm the least of the apostles. A few years later, he says, you know, I'm actually the least of all the disciples, just before he dies, after he's written his books and done all these things, he says, the truth is, I'm the least of all sinners. 
I mean, isn't that depressing? Because I, when I read that, one day I read that, I literally said to my wife, ding any dang Like if Paul said that, I did actually say ding any dang If Paul said that, <laughs> what chance do I stand? Like he was taken up to the seventh heaven. He was beaten, survived shipwrecks. You know, he literally saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I was, mis- you know, I was not getting what he was saying. What Paul was getting at was that except for the grace of God, however long you know the Lord. And by the way, what he was also saying is, <clears throat> not only except for the grace of God, I wouldn't be nothing, but he's saying that the longer I walk with God and the closer I get to him and the more I get to know him, the better I understand what a total sinner I am, but what a total savior he is. And the equation... <clears throat> That's why, friends, listen, (laughs) any version on any level, right, on any scale of any Christian ever going, well, you know, you're you're an idiot. Like, you just clearly do not understand what's going on. Because what Paul is saying is this, great news, everybody, it is 0% me and 100% Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit And the sooner you live in that reality, the easier life is going to be for you. You will never be good enough yourself. The leper shows us that. The centurion shows us that. They both, do you realize that a word from Jesus one day in one moment completely changed their lives? So the leper goes from outcast ringing the silly bell, unclean, how humiliating is that? No future, no partner, no, none of the things that normal, so-called normal people could have. He goes from all of that to throwing away his bell. He never has to say unclean. Now he can actually say clean, cleaner than you, <laughs> if he wants to. I just thought of that. That is so beautiful. Wow, that's a t-shirt. That'll start, that'll start some conversations for sure. That's awesome. I love it when I crack myself up. That was really funny. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. That's actually really profound. That's so Holy Spirit. And, and suddenly, he can get a job. He can start working. He can get income. He can start building a future. I mean, him being cleansed wasn't like, oh, good, I'm not a leper anymore. Him being cleansed was... I'm a child of God, and I have a future now that God knew, but I could never possibly have imagined myself, and Jesus has just helped me step into that. So I encourage you that if you've come here this morning, and you're sitting here, you're watching, and you're thinking, if anybody knew how I really felt and what was really going on in my life and how unclean I am, They would never come near me. I'm saying to you today, if you do what the leper did and approach Jesus and ask him for help, in a moment, not only will Jesus cleanse you, because the Bible says Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. No different. He's the same Savior. He will cleanse you and deliver you today and heal you and bring you give you entrance into the future that he has for you. 
This is not positive speak. This is Christianity. This is the Lord and Savior that we serve. And so, uh, I, was, I was sharing with someone before the service this morning how it's not that often that when I seek God for a word for, to preach at a church, that I get from God, this is the word for this weekend for this church. You know, usually I typically speak on the Holy Spirit or the kingdom of God or some kind of encouraging word or whatever. Um, but this time, this week, God was like, tell Waters Church that I am willing to heal anybody who's willing to come to me like the leper and the centurion. I don't care about their status, their statue. I know their situation inside out. They just need to take the first step, and if they come to me, I will heal them. This is a word for them this weekend. I will help them. So it says, so, you know, I, I, I've come this weekend with this certainty and with this confidence. Jesus, I know that you are going to heal people. And I'm telling you, at 60, I just, I just <clears throat> turned 60 in December. I know you're thinking, what? No ways. You couldn't poss possibly be more than 58. Um, <laughs> that is also funny. Um, so I spent all of December in South Africa with my younger sister, younger by five years, and then had to go back in February because she had cancer brutally and wasted away. Um, and is now she knows the Lord, so she's with the Lord. But I, I've got to tell you, it was incredibly difficult, not not only because she's my youngest. You know, if it's an older brother or sister, if it's like your parents, both my parents left this world way too young, but they're still your parents. Like, you know, they should go before you kind of thing, right? Um, but I really struggled, you know, and, and watching her waste away and, and, and her crying out to God, but speaking to me while she was doing it and saying, you know, God hates me, like he's, he's forgotten me. Why is he letting this happen to me? And she's not just asking me as a brother, but as a pastor, and she's like, I mean, what is, why? The scriptures, I read these scriptures about healing. I pray them in the morning. She'd have lists, and all I could say is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. And it's wise Instead of, because I also didn't want to do the, hey, praise God, you know, uh, be strong, Jesus, you know, it will all be okay. Don't you hate it with a passion when somebody is in agony and somebody says, oh, don't worry, it will all be okay. Don't you want to like, you can't beat them, but I'm saying like, <laughs> whatever. Because it's so, it's so inane and meaningless, right? It's better to be honest. Always be honest. speak the truth in love, the Bible says. Be honest and say, I don't know why God has chosen you for this test. I said, but what I do know and what I disagree with you on, don't say that he doesn't love you because he went to the cross for you. His love for you is no different today than it was yesterday, and it will be no different to tomorrow. But the truth is that we also live in a fallen world, and we are fallen, and cancer is part of it, and some Christians get it, and some don't. 
we, do n we have to be honest and wise enough to say, I don't know. But then that night when she's sleeping under the influence of heavy drugs, I'm crying in the bedroom next to her saying, Lord, please, it's just a word from you. And all I hear from God is, I will heal her in my way. You have to trust me. You have to trust me. I am your Lord and Savior, not just your Savior. You have to trust me. Now, I could say, well, praise God, she's in heaven, she's perfectly healed, which is true. And I'm sure that today, if she could speak to me, she'd be like, this is definitely the better option. I'm just sad that I wish she could have, we could have had a bit more time together. My point is this. I've been saved 40 years. I love Jesus. He is the center of my life. And you know what? I'm okay with the fact that even after four decades, the Lord will allow me to experience things that I don't need to understand. And it has not affected my trust in Him because He's the Lord and He knows what He's doing. I've also learned in 40 years that at some point somewhere in the future, I will properly and much better understand why he has allowed certain tests and trials. The key is to not allow the enemy to use those trials to say, you see, Jesus doesn't care. Because that is not the truth. And so it tells us that the leper came and worshipped him and that the centurion came and worshipped him, and they both asked him for help. And so imagine for the centurion the result for him, right? Joy at seeing his servant healed. Imagine that reunion. Incredible. I think what would have been much more powerful than the healing is that the centurion and his household would have gotten saved because conversations would have happened, and you know how the Holy Spirit works. There would have been somebody in the centurion's life that would have helped him to understand that Jesus is the anointed one. And, excuse me, after that, when the centurion would have seen Jesus on the cross, being crucified after being illegally tried, dying, being placed in the tomb, and then three days later resurrected from the dead, at least at that point, he would have remembered his servant being saved and would have received Christ as his Savior. So for him, it's more than joy. It's eternal salvation. I believe, I can't prove it, but I believe there's an excellent chance at least that when he went back to Rome, he would have been a missionary. So imagine from these, these two for Jesus, simple acts, like this is who Jesus is, lives and destinies are completely altered and changed. And I'm here to say to you today that Jesus is saying to you and to me, I am willing. Be cleansed. Ask me, I am willing. Be cleansed. You know, friends, it is a mystery to me I cannot, I want to say I really mean it, but that's silly. Obviously I mean it, but I, I want to find a way to express it is a mystery to me. How God 
is such a gentleman with us and doesn't force anything on us, that he always comes from a place of permission. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be saved? Wouldn't it be so much easier if Jesus just went saved? <laughs> and all of us like, whoops, oh, yeah, awesome, praise God, I'm born again now. You know, and just America saved. Wouldn't that, like, wouldn't that be, make life so much easier, right? We don't have to do all the work, the arguments, the debates, trying to get people to church in every sneaky, I mean, every wonderful way, we, you know, and trying to be so clever. No. I think proof that God is God, one of the great proofs is that God says, like those of you, who of you are parents and have kids that are older than 15, remember the day that you realize that you really have no control? They've been thinking that since 11. It's just taken you four years to catch up. We, some of us were just sharing last night that sometimes you do everything right and your kids become young adults and they thumb their nose at you and say, I want nothing to do with this, you know? And you're like crying out to God, you know, like, Lord, come on, you can change their hearts. And God's like, no, just like with you, they need to love me because they choose to and because they want to. And by the way, let me encourage you parents who have kids who are not yet serving the Lord or maybe have drifted away, God gave me another word. It was for somebody specifically in the church. I shared it with them last night. But this morning as I was praying, preparing for the meeting, the Lord said, share it with the church. And the word was this, just like this. In my prayer time on Wednesday, God said to me, tell him, I am chasing after your son. And I said, now listen to me. God is not saying, I'm working with him. I'm chasing after because listen, as much as you love your kids, I adore my kids. My life's joy is my children and my pretty much perfect three-year-old grandson who says publicly I'm his favorite. So <laughs> what can I tell you? It's the truth. Love him backwards. He's on my phone. He's, I look at his face a hundred times a day. I wake up to him and go to sleep with him, you know. Um, and you know what? As much as I love them, it's not even close to the love that God has for them because I didn't make them like God did. So I want to encourage you, just love your kids. Be their parents. Don't fight with them. Embrace them. You don't have to agree with any of the, all the nonsense that they speak. By the way, when you're 20 or 18 and you think, why doesn't the world just do what I do? I've got the answer to everything, including world wars. We all did that. You're lying if you say that you didn't. It's part of life. And aren't you glad that you're, at least with some of us, that your parents were patient enough to just listen? Because that they knew the day would come that you'd come a little bit more to your senses. But when that day comes, you want your kids to be able to say, you've always loved me. You never let me go because God doesn't. So let's close with this. They come to Jesus. They're asking for something, not knowing what his response is going to be. And in both cases, I'm sure, they were pretty stunned 
at how ready and how quickly Jesus responded to their needs. You know, it tells us in the scriptures, there are a number of times in the gospel where you read that the the disciples say to Jesus, you know, they say to each other, have you seen the master? Like, where where is he? Where is he? You know, I don't know. And then he comes along like, Lord, where were you? We've been looking for you. Like, you were gone all night. Where were you? And he rebukes them. I think he's thinking, are you bananas never going to learn? My version. <laughs> Lorenzo's interpretation. No, and the Lord says to them, what are you talking about? He says, this, you know that I have to be with my father because he tells me everything that I have to say and do. In other words, Jesus knew that somewhere in that day he was going to perform these two miracles. And Jesus knew that today, this morning, there are those that when I ask you now to stand with me, we're going to pray together. There are those you need healing of some kind. By the way, I think spiritual and emotional healing is way more important than physical healing, by far. I wouldn't even put them in the same room together. And Jesus knows already that he's going to heal and he's going to set free and he's going to encourage. So.